All right, guys, let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew 28. Matthew 20, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Matthew 20, 28. I, I am today, I know we just began our Family Matters series last week. I'm looking forward to continuing that, but I want to really uh, emphasize this serve the city. There, there's something I just can't get away from in my study and preparation. I believe it's so important for us to know. So we'll look at some principles here that certainly affect our families and our relationships. But I, I want us to think about the concept of what it means to serve, uh, what that idea means. What's that, what does that really look like? You know, if a family or a marriage could really get this idea of serving one another, of not putting myself first, but serving. You know, sometimes when, when I'm talking to married couples that are struggling to get along, I, I've heard this phrase every once in a while. You've probably heard it. And sometimes people think this works, but it usually is not enough. I've heard somebody say, well, you know, I'm willing to meet them halfway. If they'll try, I'll try. You know, aren't you thankful that Jesus didn't meet us halfway? We wouldn't be there yet, would we? He, he came all the way to where we are, and he met us. I'm reminded, I, I told the 9 o'clock service, I heard a pastor uh, give this testimony. It's from another pastor and his wife. And this pastor and his wife decided, you know what, we're, we're going to apply what Jesus did. We'll see these scriptures in a minute, and we're going to serve each other as husband and wife. I'm not going to watch my wife and just say, well, if she's nice, I'll be nice. And she said, I'm not just going to watch my husband and say, well, he's a good guy, then I'll be a good, you know, good wife. We're, they said, no, we're, we're just going to serve each other. Not because I have to, because I want to. Now watch this. So this is the most unusual counseling session I ever heard of in my life. So they, they were out going to serve. In fact, they decided they're going to outserve each other. And, and the pastor's wife called up the, their, their kind of lead pastor, and, and she was crying. And he said, well, what's wrong? She said, we need to come in and talk. We need counseling. And he said, man, I thought your marriage was doing great. She was crying. This, I'm, I'm not making this up, guys. And, and she, he said, what's wrong? She said, I am so frustrated. My husband's out serving me. I can't do anything. He won't, he just, I can't get anything done for him serving me. Boy, I've never had that counseling session yet. And so I'm I didn't make this up. She says, well, what do you mean? She says, well, you know, he, he's just always looking to do something for me. I can't ever do anything for him. She says, we get up on Sunday morning to go to church, and I go in the, you know, the bathroom to get ready. He runs and gets the ironing board out. He irons his shirt. He irons my clothes. He, I come out, breakfast is sitting there. She goes, he's got to stop it. You need to tell him to stop serving me like this. He's he just got to slow down. I, can you imagine that? I mean, come on, think about it, out-serving each other. Now, maybe, I don't know, I don't know if you can go too far serving, but what if a family did that? You know, think about the kids in the car. You know, on vacation, it, they're not thinking about serving one another in the backseat of the car. Of course, you know what? Kids, kids have it lucky today. It's not fair. You know, when I used to go on a long vacation, me and my sister and my, and my brother, there was nothing to do. I didn't have a tablet I didn't have a DVD hanging down out of the ceiling. Anybody feel the pain? I mean, it was terrible. I mean, you drove an hour and you wanted to jump out of the window of the car, you know, kill yourself. It was just, especially if you had an ADD kid like me, you know, and, and I sure wasn't going to serve her. You know what it's like, your brother and sister, they're like, you know, you're 30 minutes into an eight-hour drive. He's on my side. Then, you know, two minutes later, she's looking at me. What does that mean? She looked at me. You know, did your, were my little kids the only kids that did that? Or my, you know, and then it's like Phyllis would tell me, her dad, you know how it is. And, and then, you know what happened? Have you ever thought about, I need to get off, I'm sorry, I'm off track, but I started thinking about this. How did we all live? 
What, nobody wore a seat belt. Nobody had a car seat. Did anybody, do you realize people didn't have those things? We ran around in the car like a track meet. I mean, what? And nobody ever got hurt. I mean, we, we didn't have a car seat. We didn't have a seat belt. And, 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 you know, how do we live? You know, we played with guns and knives and firecrackers. And nobody died. I mean, what happened? I, I don't know what happened. You know, now kids get killed on a straw. I mean, it's just, anyway, I'm sorry. But it's just a different thing. But, but then, you know, everybody's in the back seat, and nobody's serving anybody because you're on my side, and she looked at me, and then Dad's trying to drive and keep order, and Phyllis said they had some bunch of kids in the back seat. Her dad's like, whoom, tried to spank his kid. He hit the other kid right in the nose, you know, then he's screaming. It's just, you should be happy. You, these kids don't know how good it is, do they? I mean, DVD, you know, tablet, ear, you know, good grief. I, and then we didn't have children's church. I can't even go there. I had to sit in church with nothing, nothing. And my dad had the first taser. It's that finger right there, right to the back of my head. Boom. And for about a good five minutes, you were in shock. You know, so anyway, just be happy. Things are a lot better. It's easier than it used to be, I can promise you. You got children's church. You don't even know what the kids are doing right now. They're, no, they're good. They're, everything's fine. I've gone too far. I apologize. <laughs> but serving, serving is a great thing. We need to incorporate that back in our lives. I want you to understand what I mean, serving. Serving in our society, it has become something that's inferior. I'm not going to serve. Don't be a servant. We're, we're, we're so intent on establishing ourselves and what we want and where we are. We're, we're so consumed by status title, and position, that when you think of serving, it's a foreign concept to us. It's something that's insulting. But I want to show you some things in Scripture that it's really the heart of God. It's the heart of the gospel. And we need to understand how these things work. Now, let let me make sure you understand. I, I respect honest success when I see it. I'm thankful for men and women that work hard and have trained themselves and, and, and they are creating an income for their family. Listen, the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money's the root of all evil. Money's a tool. It's what you do with it. Money's important. We would be foolish and naive to say money's not important. It's how you have a home. It's how you educate your children. It's how, uh, you know, it's funny to me, people go to church and talk about money's a bad thing, then they take an offering up and ask for it. So those preachers need to make their mind up. Which way is it? You know what I'm saying? Okay, I'll go on. Never mind. So, so you know, it's, it's important, but it's not essential. Essential is something you can't live without. Money is not how much you make. It's how do you handle your money. How do you, how, what do you do with your money? What does it mean to you? How does it become? So I respect honest success, people that have worked hard and provide and, and do what they should do, and they live bigger than themselves. And, and, and our children need to watch our example. What are we teaching our children? How do we live? How do we treat other people? How do they hear us talk about other people when, you know, behind closed doors? What, what do they hear us say and do? It's important. And let me say this. We're going to read here in Matthew 20, 28. L- listen to this statement. As a born-again Christian, serving is in your DNA. It's your heartbeat. When you accepted Christ, when I accepted Christ, serving became part of my nature. How many heard what I just said? You'll say amen. Just let me know you're here. So let me show you some things Jesus said about serving, about 
why he came and who he is and how we operate, all right? Let's look at this. Matthew 20 and verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Why did he come? The whole reason, look at this. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Let's look at Luke chapter 22. I've got several scriptures. I'd love for you to follow along with me and highlight these and and refer to these. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 26. Luke 22 and verse number 26. This statement Jesus made was in response to the disciples. They were arguing about who was the greatest among them. And doesn't that come in everywhere? Here are these 12 guys closest to Jesus, and they're in an argument about which one of them is the big guy. Who's the closest? Who's, who's the big shot? And what does he say? He, he says, you know, look, we don't run the kingdom of God. We don't operate like the world system. Okay? Verse 26. But you are not to be like that. Instead, watch this, the greatest among you should, should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. We're opposite of that. It's absolutely opposite of how this works. All right? Let's look at John chapter 13. John the 13th chapter, the setting for this passage is in the upper room at the Last Supper, his final meal, his final instruction before he's arrested in the garden. I want you to get this. This is, this is very important to us. John chapter 13, and look at verse number 12. What did Jesus do? But once again, at this last meal, they were arguing about position and title. So what did Jesus do? He takes his outer cloak off, girds himself, and washes those proud disciples' dirty feet. And this is what he says, verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, this outer cloak, and returned to his place. Do you notice that? He left his place to go serve. In other words, instead of having to remain there and say, look, I'm in charge. You don't know. He left his place to serve. That's what serving does. Let's keep reading, right? He said, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am now, that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet. You also should wash one another's feet. Not just figuratively. You know, you can come in a church service and go through a ritual and still not have the heart of a servant. He's talking about how we think about each other, okay? Verse 15, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I tell you the truth, no servant is greater than his master. And let me see, my Bible's torn right here. Let me put it back down. Nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, watch this. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed, what? If you do them. All right, one final passage, and then I want to make some applications here. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. So you see what Jesus said about serving. And then what does the Bible say about him? Philippians chapter 2. I want you to turn there with me, beginning in verse number 5. Philippians 2, 5. So what is this spiritual DNA? What's in you? What's in me? What makes us tick? What were we born again to be? We see this servant concept. That you and I must get. Philippians 2.5. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. All right? How do we think? The King James translation says you should have the same mind 
that was in Christ Jesus. Our attitude. What was it? Ready? Verse 6. Who being in very nature God. He's talking about the birth, the incarnation of Christ. How Jesus laid down his rights of being God, laid down his right, but kept his divine nature and allowed God to place him in the womb of a virgin. He was always God, but he laid down the privileges of God, humbled himself and our humanity to become our Savior. So that's, watch. So your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, he knew who he was, and he didn't have to hold on to it. He was willing to step down from who he was to help us. He did not have to prove himself. Do you know the weakest leader is the person who is always having to prove himself? The person who's always forcing you to treat them as a leader. The person who's willing to serve somebody else. That's insecure leadership. That's not who we are in a kingdom. He was the highest. And let go of it. Why? To do what? Uh, verse 7. Made himself nothing. Do you see that? That was a choice. It didn't say he was forced. The only way we think about serving is we're forced. Made himself nothing. All right? Taking the very nature of what? A servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, I could stop, but let me look at the rest of this. So no one had ever humbled themselves greater than Jesus. No one had ever come farther from where he was to step down to serve someone than he did. Can you imagine being God, and he still was God, but he laid down every privilege and came to live on this earth? Every once in a while, we, I have people, I watch people, I can see their attitude. We're talking about attitude here. And, and they're a little intimidated about serving someone who may be different than them. Serving somebody who may make less money than them. Serving some, the boss serving the employees. The, 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 big, the big cheese serving the little cheese. The, you know, we, we struggle with that. We, we, well, I don't know. You know I, well, I'm not familiar with that neighborhood or I'm not here. Listen to me. You talk about leaving heaven and coming to earth. Can you imagine? Do you know the words we use? I'm sorry. I hope this isn't offensive to anybody, but it's common language you use. We talk about, you know, I, I'm, I'm intimidated of going to, I don't want to go to the ghetto and serve. I, I, I don't want to go in the homeless camp to serve. I don't, I don't want to go in the hood to serve. Can, can I tell you something? Compared to heaven, this planet is the most stinking ghetto that ever existed. Trump Towers, the ghetto. You get me? South Beach, Miami is the hood. Can you imagine what the angel said to the father? You're sending him down there? Have you read the news about that place? Do you know anybody who lives there? Do you know how those people act? Do you know what they say? You're going to go from heaven down to there. What do you mean? You've lost your mind. But he said, I'm going to come serve. Because somebody needs me there. Is anybody with me in this thing? Is this the heart of God? I mean, I know we think we're wonderful and perfect, and we're, just, and we're doing Jesus a favor to show up today, but compared to heaven, I'm sorry. This is a step down, folks. All right. But you've got to see this. I could stop there because that's our motivation is to be like him. But here's this amazing thing, is that when anyone's willing to serve, that's what we're talking about, when we take on the attitude of Christ and begin to think like him and live like him, what about going to work with a serving attitude? I know I'm, I'm, I'm just, boys, walking all over 
real life. Can I get real? Can I get real? What about taking this attitude to work? Too often at work, you know, we get there one minute before it's time to punch in because I'm not giving him one more dog on a minute of my time. I mean, and when it's time to go, I mean, we're like, you know, it's, if you ever go to most businesses, it's like the horses in the gate at the Kentucky Derby. You know, they're stomping, snorting, waiting for the go home button. Wow, they're out of there. Or it's like NASCAR. Here's everybody's revving their engine. 458, 459, five. You know, you better not get in the way of people going from work. Or you got a job description. You know what I'm, this, this, my, this is all I have. This is my job description. You do your job. My job. Sorry, do your job. What if you went in there, you got there early, dear God. What if you stayed a little bit later and you didn't have to? Have mercy. What if you did your job and helped somebody else do their job? What if you cared about the people you work with? Sell quite as, I'm going to, is this foreign language? I think it's the Bible. Is this church? Okay. So, so what if we, what if we went in and loved people? What if, what if the students go to school this fall and when they walk by and there's the nerd kid sitting by himself, herself at a table, instead of going with their buddy, they'll go sit down over there. Why? Because we're like Jesus. We have the same attitude as him. What if you're willing to go to the kid nobody else will talk to? Why? Because our heart is like his heart. And we're here to serve. We're here to give, not to give. And we begin to step out of our way and do something I didn't have to do. I did it because Jesus did it for me. What if I would remember every once in a while what I was like when he saved me? Anybody still with me on this thing? What if, what if I would remember the mess I was when the grace of God found me and why I had nothing to offer and he didn't meet me halfway. He came 100% and wouldn't give up on me. And, and, and I grew up in a godly home and I was a prodigal son and I ran from God and I ran from God and insulted God and took God for granted. And you know the crazy thing? He just kept loving me and loving me and loving me and loving me and didn't take the cross back. And something about that has to happen in us us begin to serve it's so it's it's it begins to be our dna and who we are it's amazing you know i i i saw this this week and i thought that's the heart of god it's it's what every it's how god thinks it's how the kingdom works but even people in our culture that have reached the pinnacle of this life have begun to understand that it can't just be about me and what i get if life is going to work this is a quote recently from an interview from Will Smith. You know Will Smith. He was the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And now he's the king of Hollywood. Come on, he's come a long way, baby, hasn't he? Look at this. He says, uh, I had to edit a little bit of this for church, okay? But he says, the idea is I've been to the top of the money. And there's a phrase I'm leaving out. His next one says, I've had all the adoration. I've been to the top of all those material world mountains, and nothing makes you happy other than being useful to others. That's it. That's the only thing that will ever satisfy. It's that what you're doing, if what you're doing is useful. See, there's something in us created by God to know that life at its highest level has to be bigger than me. That if I'm going to ever discover why I'm here and what makes life work, it can't just be me. 
And as a believer, there's a higher measure of that because the nature of God is inside of our life. Let me show you something. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12. I just want to give you two or three things here very quickly. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 12 that, that, that help us understand what happens when we serve. You need to do it one more time because I can tell people are thinking, just, just one more time, uh, tell somebody next to you, you really smell good today. Come on, go ahead and tell them one more time. If you just tuned in, you'll have to watch the whole program to understand what I'm doing here. All right, I'm not crazy. All right, you, you, you remember 2 Corinthians 2. All right, look at this, 1 Peter 4.10. Watch this. Each one. Who's included? Everybody, okay? Each one, watch this, 1 Peter 4.10, should use whatever gift. Everybody's been gifted by God. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to do what? To what? Serve. Oh, why was I given a gift? I'm supposed to serve with it. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Look at this. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Do you know, watch this. Why do we need to serve? Listen to me. Because everyone has been given God-given gifts and abilities. You're probably earning your living off that gift. Your, your, your ability to organize or administrate or technology or work with your hands, to think, to plan, to solve problems. You probably are making a living off the gift God put in your life. But what, and that's good. You should. But what we need to understand, that gift was always get, also given to serve the people around us. And when we begin to connect the dots and begin to understand that my skill, you might call it, or my talent, or my ability was given to serve other people, it's not just for me. Watch this. God's grace begins to flow through that. Grace, that's the gospel. Unearned favor. The goodness of God. Do you realize that when you begin to serve in this ability God gave you, that grace starts flowing. That's why when we read during the offering in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, those verses there, that what happens? We become the aroma of Christ. Grace begins to flow out of our life. Goodness and favor begins to come. Why? Because we are releasing the grace of God through the abilities that God gave us. It's an amazing concept. We don't create the gift God gave it. We just share the gift, and grace starts flowing. Everyone in this room, i got some good news for you. Everybody listening to me, you know what? You're a preacher of the gospel. You're a preacher of the gospel. But Pastor, I don't know how to preach. You know how to love. You know how to serve. You know how to let your gift bless somebody else. Grace is flowing through your life. Grace is flowing through your life. Watch this. Go to Matthew chapter 9. I, I've got a lot of scripture here, but I'm wanting just to build this concept with us about the, what happens when we serve. Matthew 9 and verse 36. Please turn there with me. This is so powerful. And, and, and so misunderstood in the kingdom. Matthew 9, verse 36. Let me show you cause and effect. Cause and effect of serving. How this works. And how we often haven't served because we've missed God's system here. God's order. Cause and effect. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. Now this is speaking of Jesus on the earth. Watch this. Are you with me? I want you to see cause and effect. I want you to see what comes first. Matthew 9, 36. When he, when Jesus saw... The crowds, he had compassion on them. Watch this. What happened first, the seeing or the feeling? The seeing came before the feeling, didn't it? Here's what happens to too many of us in church. We want a feeling and then we'll go. Jesus went first. He saw and then he felt. Well, why did he go before he felt? Because he was obedient to the Father. Obedience moves us 
And when we obey, we see. When we see, we feel. See, we've even made this very spiritual in church. I bet you've heard somebody pray this before. I bet you heard it uh, asked, this is how we do it. How do we get spiritual about this? We can be very spiritual sounding about reversing God's word. See, you see and then you feel, right? Isn't that what we just read? Seeing comes before feeling. But what do we do? We pray this. Oh, Lord. So you got to kind of warble so it sounds holy. Oh, Lord. Just give me a burden for lost people, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Well, you know what you're praying, don't you? God, give me a feeling. God, give me an emotion. Oh, give me a burden, Jesus. Oh, Lord. If you give me a burden, if I feel something, if I get goosebumps Sunday morning in church, then I'll do something. That's not spiritual. Spiritual is not the feeling. Spiritual was the going. You get me? Spiritual was the obeying. Spiritual was the seeing. Do you know there's some things you're never going to have compassion for because you've never known about them? You know, there's some people you're never going to have your heart ready to serve because you've never seen. You have to get close enough to see it before you can have a feeling for it. We have to get out of our road and where we are. Do you know what for us, you know the old saying, what a rut is. We get in a rut. We need to be jumped out of our rut. You know what a rut is. You've heard that a rut is a grave with both ends cut out. You know, you're just a rut. You're just in a grave. You know what? You didn't, for, for some people, I don't say you, no. for some people, they're not driving a car. They're driving a casket around because they're already in their grave because they live in a rut all the time. And their rut's just a grave with both ends kicked out. And their life is nothing but a funeral march. You're not going to work. You're going to die. You're, you're, you're not going to town. You're going to die. You're not driving a car, you're driving a casket. You're living your life in a grave. You're just living in a rut. You're living in a rut. And the Bible says that if we will go out of that rut, if we'll step out of the comfort zone, if I'll move out of the ordinary common places and go look at something and get close enough to see it, I'm going to begin to have compassion on that. And where my passion is in my gift begins to work. And so this incredible Christian life that's exciting and powerful and, and the greatest living life at the highest level, I have meaning, I have purpose, I have a reason to be. When I see it, when I get close enough to see it, what happens? My passion begins to come. So let's keep reading. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He would have never known that had he not gotten close enough to see them. Verse 37, then he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Do you know that the devil has done an amazing job of telling a lie to the church in this generation? Do you know what we've bought? We've bought it at school. We've bought it at work. We've bought it everywhere. What is it? We've bought this lie. People don't want Jesus anymore. We've bought the lie. People don't want to find God anymore. The Bible says the harvest is not the problem. The problem is there's not enough workers going into the harvest. This world is as desperate from God as God forever. Maybe they get turned off with church. Maybe they're turned off with religion. But they're desperate for God. And he said, we're not having a harvest problem. We're having a harvester problem. We're not having a problem with a message. We're just having a problem getting a message to the people. We just need people to know who he is. We, we've got plenty of harvest. We just need some people serving. So what does he say? He says, hear what you pray for. Watch this. Look, this is how we pray. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. Do you know what the church prays for most of the time? God, send us a harvest. God, send us a harvest. Jesus said, pray, God, send us harvesters. Send us harvesters. See how we pray wrong? We pray, God, give me a burden. God's praying, go see it and you'll get a burden. We pray, God, send us a harvest. God says, pray for servants to go in the harvest. 
See how we flip this thing? And when we begin to serve, we begin to get God's order back in our life. When we begin to go and see, then we begin to understand. We begin to feel. We begin to realize, man, the harvest is everywhere. We just need to get out and serve in this thing. Everybody with me? Are we learning? Good. Okay. Watch this. Let me show you. I've got a couple, just a couple of quick points. Let, let's go to uh, Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Now, I'm going to take a minute before I get there, but I, you can go ahead and find it. Let's, so the, what happens when we begin to serve? We, we discover our gifting and our passion. When you begin to serve, your gift and your passion come together. Can I tell you, when you find your gift and you connect it with your passion, you begin to live life at the highest level. That, that's where life works. All right? Let me tell you the second thing that happens when you begin to serve is that you see more miracles. How many would like to see more miracles? I love to see God do miracles. All right? Why serving? Watch this. We're going to go to Acts 10 in a minute. But let me remind you of an account. Let, let me give you a little Bible trivia here. Okay, Let's see what we're up to. Where did Jesus, what was Jesus' first miracle? What was his first miracle? Anybody know? You guys got it. Where he turned the water into wine. Let's, let's look at this for a minute. It's an incredible illustration of why servants see more miracles. So Jesus is at the wedding, and they run out of wine, and for some reason they go to his mother. They said, we're, we're in trouble. We've got all these guests, and you know, you know, it's one of those receptions where they had a guest list, and all, all you know, Uncle Larry and Aunt Willie Sue and cousins to the third level came in and weren't, you know what I'm saying, one of those, everybody showed up for food. So, so they have depleted the resources of the reception. And they come to his mother and said, uh, you know, Miss Jesus' mother, we're in trouble here. We're out, out of something to drink. And all these folks are thirsty. I don't know. Now, look, he hadn't done a miracle yet. But the Bible says the first thing his mother does is go to Jesus. She knew something. I don't know if Jesus has been practicing or she caught him or something, a miracle, but she, she, she knew something about this. She goes to Jesus. She said, Jesus, you got to do something. And look what he told her. He said, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. Read this. This is in John 2. And she said, but son, they need something. It's amazing what your mother can get you to do. I mean, she even got God to get in a hurry. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? You mothers are powerful things. He said, mom, it's not my time. She said, son, we got to have some help. He said, all right. So, so watch. These servants, so she turns around to the servants, say servants, and she said, you just do whatever he says. So Jesus says, all right, see those 10 huge water containers that are empty? Yeah, go fill all them up with water and bring them to me. Now, can you see those servants? C- come on, you, come on. Unfaithful servants start off like this. What do you mean? They need wine. And he wants us to go to that well in the middle of the day, and it's hot, and fill up 10 things full of water, and then bring them back in here, and everybody's going to be expecting wine, and all we're going to do is bring in water. They're going to be mad at us. He's going to make a fool of everybody. What's wrong with this guy? Huh? Who who does he think he is? They're going to find out. Who's in charge around here? She said, just do what he said. Oh, I guess we'll just do what he said. That'd be a good message for the church. Come on. What, obedience. Why don't we just do what he says and trust him? So the servants go, and they fill up the, the water, and they bring them in, and they set them up, and they step back. They're like, now, can't you see them? They're back here like, come on, I'm going to get away from this because this is not going to work. Let, let's, let's get out of here. And so they're watching this thing. They're laughing at Jesus. They're, this is going to be an embarrassment. And, and then the host comes up, and he dips in. Takes that first cup, you go, man. Everybody else gives the good stuff first and saves, you know, the cheap stuff for the end. You save the best for last. And those servants look at each other. 
I say, did you put water in yours? I put water in mine. <laughs> what do you mean it turns? So they're up there looking on those vessels. Now here's the deal. The only people that knew a miracle happened were the servants. Because everybody else just saw it at the end of the thing. You understand that? You know why you see more miracles? When you start serving more, you're going to see more miracles happen in your life. Servants see the miracle. That's powerful, isn't it? I love it. Can you see those servants after that? You know, they were hiding back here. Like, don't let anybody know we got that water. When they started drinking, they're up there. We brought that in. Yes, we did. We, you, know, you understand what I'm going to say? We, here we are. We did it. Jesus, give me five. You know, it's amazing what obedience will do in your life. Just do what he said, and the servant sees the miracle. It's amazing stuff. You see why we get to serve? Look at Acts 10.38. Come on, watch this. This is who we are and what we do. Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. So what, what did Jesus do? What was his thing? Look, how he went around doing good. He just went around doing good. He went around serving people. Uh, you don't have anything to eat here. Give me your lunch. He prayed and blessed and eat. Uh, you know, oh, your son died here. Wake up. Your daughter died here. Wake up. You know, there's a storm. I just walk out on the water. He just went around doing good. And everywhere he went around. So, so what happened? Watch the order again. There's cause and effect that we miss in Scripture. So God anoints him. He goes around doing good. And while he's going around doing good, see, the thing that differentiates the church of Jesus from just a civic organization, don't get me wrong, thank God for civic organizations. Did everybody hear me say that? But they can only do so much. It's better than not doing something. Okay, but, but they can go around doing good, but we not only go around doing good, we and then what happens? And healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. Do you see the difference? Look, so here's what I've learned. If I will serve, God will come serve with me. So see, see, all I can do is put numbers on the mailbox, but when I do, Jesus shows up at the front door and heals the person who we put number on their mailbox. Anybody with me in this thing? So we just do good. We go around doing good. We serve, and the healer shows up. We serve, and the power of God shows up. When you serve, you will find more miracles happening in your life. It's divine connection. It's divine order. See, God cannot use me until I start going. I don't feel until I see. He never shows up until I'm doing good. And when I do what I can do, he does what I can't do. He will do what I cannot do. But I have to do something. I have to serve. My attitude is, thank you, God, that I get to serve. You know, I have numbers on my mailbox. This guy doesn't. Let me put some on this thing. I've got food in my house. This man doesn't. Let me put some food on your table. I have hope. These little boys and girls don't have hope. Let me give you some hope. And see, the great thing I love about how we do this is we're not just going to one area where people are down and out. We're going to go to some affluent areas and put door hangers on because you can be down and out and you can be up and out. If you're out, you're out. It doesn't matter what's in your bank account. So we're going to spread hope across the board. See, a long time ago, we decided because God told us this, and I said, yes, Lord, we'll obey, that we were not just going to look for people that could help Calvary and run around and chase people to help us. We're not just going to look for people that could help Calvary. We're going to look for people that Calvary could help. And I've discovered that when you do that, God shows up in this thing. And God begins to work in all these areas. Well, we, we need to, to bring this to a close. Let me say, when, when you, guys, when you begin to do this, it's the body of Christ. You begin to connect. You, you begin to get around people you wouldn't know. 
You begin to work together and serve together. You begin to find people, make friends and connections. This world loves to isolate you. Don't let yourself be isolated. You need other people, and other people need you. Connect with them. Love them, work with them, serve with them. You know, when I, I, here's what happens. I found that I, if I give away what I need, it comes back to me. If you need a friend, go be a friend. Don't live in your house and be isolated. Maybe you're single. Maybe you're a young single. Maybe you're single again. Maybe you're a widow or a widower. Maybe you're married and you just got this isolation. What I'm telling you is if we can break out of isolation, your gift begins to flourish. You begin to experience the miracles of God, and you begin to get connected to the people of God. You, you pray for somebody to be healed. That's how you get healed. You pray for somebody to find hope. You find hope in your life. You understand that? Living alone, being afraid and locked in and despairing and depressed, to feeling you're unworthy will always cause that to continue. But when you just step out, do what you can with what you have, where you are. The presence of God begins to be released in our life. And the final thing I want to say is this, is that when you begin to serve, your faith begins to grow. Did you know faith can grow? The Bible talks about little faith. And the Bible talks about great faith. So how do I move from little faith to great faith? Faith is like a muscle. It grows as you use it. If we're afraid to ever obey God, our faith never grows. Have you, it's, it's, have you ever noticed? It's like this. Do you know that you don't get in shape by joining the gym? I don't think people understand that. You get in shape by going in the gym and doing things. Here, here's the deal. See, everybody has a gym. They understand how this works. They're going to oversell their memberships. And January will be crowded. But hold on, February's coming. It's going gonna, it's gonna to work. And then you can go to the gym in July, and nobody's in the gym. You know, it, it, it's done. It just goes. And then, and then, you know, there's always that guy. Have you ever seen him at the gym? <laughs> uh, he comes in, and he's got 26 sweatbands on. You know what I'm talking about. If it's you, I'm sorry. I haven't seen you. So don't take it personal. You know, he's got three on this arm, three on that arm, on his head, around his neck. He's got them on his legs, you know. And he walks in. That dude hadn't broke a sweat in three years. <laughs> I mean, he's just looking the part. You understand what I'm saying? You, you know, he's walking around, talking, macking. You know, that guy, he's not coming there to work. He's not in there to work. Listen, you know the only way that gym helps you, the only way you get stronger is get under that weight. Am I right? Nothing's going to happen to you get under it. Am I right, Pastor Emilio? You, you got to get under that thing if it's going to do anything for it. You know how the only way my faith is going to grow, I've got to get under some serving. I, I, I've got to step out of my box. I've got to do something I haven't done before. I, I've got to, and, and you know, God will bless that. Your faith will grow. Look at Ephesians 3.20, my last verse of the day. Look at this one. Look at this. Ephesians 3.20. Your potential is absolutely off the wall. And Ephesians 3, cut 20 is coming. There it is. Look at this. Now, to him who is able, so the focus is on God's ability, not ours, right? To him who is able, this is what I love. Look at this. To do immeasurably more. God can do more than any measure you can use, right? So the limits are off. Then we've asked or imagined he's greater in you than you've ever thought of. His gift in you is bigger than you've ever dreamed to believe. What God can do with you as you serve is so far above our ability to comprehend. We do not have and even have a point to relate it to. Everybody with me on this? But it's according to his power that is at work within us. 
And so as we begin to faithfully obey God, our faith grows. And our little victories become the platform for great exploits that we do next. And what's little? Hey, listen, I remember the first time I went to a group and knocked on the door to pray for people. I mean, I, could, I didn't know what was louder, my hand or my knees. I was knocking like this. <laughs> you ever been scared? I've been scared to death to obey God. So, I mean, I literally, I, I was scared to death. But, you know, I did it, and I walked away. Nobody died. Nobody bled. Nobody got hurt. It was all good, you know. I, I made that one. And then I remember the first time I led somebody to the Lord. I kept trying and trying. And, you know, I was with a group of witness. And, and, man, I was green. And I would go out with a group on the streets in Dallas, Texas, and witness. And they're like, nah. They'd take us to these hardest places. But, but I remember the first one. It was a guy who came. We, they took us down this, these rough bar areas, you know, and it just nasty. And this guy comes out. And I start talking to him. Man, he, he, was, he wanted to get saved. We knelt down right there on the street corner in front of that bar. And while we're praying, except Jesus, you know, these guys were laughing at us and spilled beer on us and everything. Man, I, that beer felt like a Gucci cologne on me that night. I was like, thank you, God. I mean, I prayed that dude through. He got saved. I got up from there. I felt like Billy Graham. I strutted. I, I felt so good. You know why? I obeyed God. I did what I was supposed to do. I got down on my knees, scared. I got up. My faith had grown. You know, you just have to keep pushing that weight. Keep coming out of your place. God will be with you. Your faith will grow. That's what happens. Let me give you this thing. We'll end with this. So why don't we do it? This is the devil's top list. You ready? Why don't I serve? Well, number one, I don't have the time. All right? Watch this. Say this week comes up. Serve the city. Well, I, I got to go to work every day. I, I'm, I get that. Give, what about one night? I can't come every night. What about one night? What about one hour, one day? Do something you haven't done. Are you with me? We need to serve. I don't have time. We probably can find some. What about this? I, I, I don't know what I would do. What would I do? Got you covered. We got teams. We got leaders. We got orientation. You're, you're, you're good to go. We even got transportation. And we're going to feed you too. I don't know what to do. You don't have to know what to do. We know what to do. Just come. Well, I don't have any special skills. Come on. That's not the deal. Your gift, your attitude. It's not your ability. It's your availability that God uses every time. And then you can say, well, they don't need me. Yes, we do. Because no one has your gift but you. No one has your ability but you. You know what? Listen. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those who answer the call. Just show up for duty. Moses said, God, I can't speak. I stutter. He said, I'll use you anyway. David's brother and his fathers didn't even call him in from watching the sheep when he said, I've come to anoint the king. But God knew who he was. And he goes on and on in Scripture. See, God does not just want to work in us. He wants to work through us. We have the DNA of serving. Would you stand with me, everybody? Would our team come, please? And I want to pray over us before we go. Would you do that? Come on, just stay with me. I want to pray with us before we go. I believe that serving is one of the most important elements that we ever develop in our walk as Christians. I'm going to tell you something. God has to do a work in us to get there. God has to do a work in us to get there. It will begin to help meet a need in your life, that thing you're looking for. Look at a guy like Will Smith, all the money, all the houses, all the fame, everything you could want. And he says, you know, the only time I feel really good is when I help somebody else. When I do something that makes a difference in another person's life. And, and so here, here's, here's what I want you to see. God is just looking for a chance to encourage you, to use you. It's about the people we're going to serve, but isn't it interesting? 
that as we go, we get more out of it than the people we're giving to. We grow. We develop. We find things out. I want you to put the words up on the first song that they sang. I want to show you something, guys. I want you to make the connection. And then we're going to sing in a verse and we'll go. Can you do that the first song? All right, watch this. I want you to think outside this room for a minute. Will you do that with me? I want you to think outside this room. I want you to think about Calvary going through North Alabama spreading Jesus by the way we serve. Okay, look. Who is he? Is he the way maker? Yes, he is, isn't he? Is he the miracle worker? Yes, he is. Does he keep his promise? He does. This world needs to meet somebody that keeps a word. Is he a light in the darkness? Yeah. My God. That's who you are. But let's go to this next verse. Watch this. I want you to see this. This is where we've got to break out of our... Come on. Give me my next one, guys. This is... Here, so like, here, watch this. See, we, watch this. You've got to break out of the church building mentality. You with me? You are here touching every heart. I worship you. That's not just a Sunday thing. You're here in this building at Calvary Assembly. But wait. When we go out in the street, when we're going door to door, when we're helping, serving, cleaning, doing whatever we do, guess what? Then we can say that there too. You are here, not here, but wherever we go. So as you walk into that neighborhood, the way maker comes, the promise keeper comes, the miracle worker comes. Does that mean, do you get that? I mean, come on. That, I've never done anything in my life more important than that. You know, that's a lot of great things, but bringing that God in just by serving, by mowing grass, by picking up trash, by putting a number in a mailbox, that happens? Absolutely. And you know what else it is? It's worship. It's worship to God. It's giving Him your best and Him working through you. Let's go to this next line. You're touching every heart. You're here healing every life. Let's go to the next one. You're here turning lives around. Man, what a four days we're about to walk into. Is that the end of that? Is that it? So let's, you're here mending every heart. Let's go back to the top. And, and uh, I want to thank the, you notice our Elevate student ministry team joined with us today on Sunday and leading worship. So we're thankful. And they, some of them wore some blue. They said, Pastor, we're standing with you for Phoenix still. Aren't you thankful for the family of God? And then they even bought me a tie. I had to get all suited up today because they said, Pastor, I want you to wear that blue tie and blue handkerchief. I said, you got it. So it's an honor for you. I'm thankful for the family of God, aren't you? I'm thankful this week, whether you got on khakis or suit, no hair, mohair, or a lot of hair, I don't care. Whether you got tattoos, piercings, King James, NIV, or Message Bible. Let's just go serve. Let's let Jesus come. Let's bring this God to North Alabama.